Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I don't need to tell you that life gets hard. Life gets hard, really hard. But God's faithfulness is still active and alive in our hard. And these episodes are dedicated to remembering and claiming the promises of a faithful God. I'm your host, Angie Bauman. I'm a pastor and Bible teacher, founder of Steady On Ministries, and creator of the Step-by-Step Bible Study Method. But more than that, I'm a trauma and abuse survivor who carried a heavy weight of shame and worthlessness for many years, and I still struggle, but I live in much more freedom now because I know God through His Word and speak truth to the lies of the enemy with His Word. And that's what we do here. On Mondays, we take it in by studying the promises of God, and on Wednesdays, we live it out with teaching and testimony on the promises of God. So thank you for tuning in, my friend. You are the reason for this show. And I'm so very, very glad you are here. Let's get started. Welcome, friend. Today, we're going to take it in with Matthew 10, 27, using my step-by-step Bible study method. And you will find links to a study sheet as well as videos for the step-by-step masterclass in today's show notes if you'd like to learn more. And with me today is my beautiful friend, Susie Crosby. Welcome back, Susie. Thank you, Angie. Susie is the author of the devotional Just One Word, a book of 90 devotions all based around using one word to set our minds on the never-ending power of God's work in our lives. And so, as I said, we're going to be in Matthew 10, 27 today. I'm going to read it first from the NIV. It says, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear proclaim from the rooftops. And just a little overview of the book of Matthew. It is the first book of the New Testament. It's the first of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The author is traditionally believed to be the apostle Matthew, although no author is named in the text. And this book contains more teachings of Jesus than any other gospel. This information I gleaned from using the Logos software that I love and all the resources, as always, for this episode are in today's show notes. Some of the well-known passages in Matthew are the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, the Golden Rule in Matthew 7, and the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And Matthew is also the only gospel to record a few things, the visitation of the Magi in Matthew 2, the renaming of Simon as Peter in Matthew 16, the parables of the wheat and the tares in Matthew 13, and the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. Those are things that are found only in Matthew And Matthew being the author, his name is also Levi, and he was a tax collector and one of the 12 disciples. And his audience is, so Matthew is a Jewish man and he's writing to other Jews with the goal of establishing Jesus as a descendant of King David, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. That's one of the reasons that the book of Matthew begins with genealogy, because he's trying to say, you know, the prophecy, this is how the Messiah is to come. He's to come from this line. And he's proving, if you will, with this genealogy of how Jesus is what the prophecy says that he's going to be. So sometimes, I don't know about you, Susie, when I see these long lists of names, it's so easy to just skim over those because those are just like, I don't even know how to pronounce any of those names. Why are they in here? But I've learned as I've studied the Bible that most of the time, the genealogy has to do with the author and the audience and what they're trying to prove as they list all this family line. So I don't know, just, that's just all free. That's extra for you. (laughs) 
Hopefully I just, that really explains it. I like the word prove. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's something in there that I'm trying to show you how this is true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the date of the writing, th there's some debate about that. It's somewhere between AD 37 and 70 um, uh, after the crucifixion before Jerusalem fell. And we're going to be, as I said, in chapter 10, there's 42 verses in chapter 10. The Enduring Word Commentary states that the theme of chapter 10 is the sending of the 12. It's divided in a couple different parts. The first part is the 12 disciples chosen and commissioned. And then the second part where we're going to hang out is Jesus preparing his disciples for persecution. Doesn't that sound fun, Susie? We're going <laughs> to go out and be prepared. It's going to be hard. <laughs> the specific section of chapter 10 that we're going to be in is a part that's talking about how even in the midst of persecution, this is the good news, even in the midst of persecution, Jesus's disciples should not fear but be bold in their proclamation of the gospel. And again, we are in chapter 10, verse 27. I'm going to read it one more time. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. Step one in the step-by-step -step Bible study method is to choose our word. And I'm going to hand it off to Susie. Okay. Our word for today is proclaim. And it is defined as um, to declare publicly to announce, to give outward indication of, and that simplified is just to show. So proclaim is to show, to declare publicly. The opposite of that is to conceal or suppress or hush up. Oh, hush up. <laughs> it sounds like a, a teacher or a mother that's like <laughs> all of a sudden kind of nervous, like, oh, you're being too loud. Hush up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I also saw some of the opposites were cover. Did you say that one cover? No, deny, I didn't. Hide or repress. Ooh. I think repress is kind of interesting to me too, because sometimes we repress something in other people, but then sometimes we repress something in ourselves, right? Or even hush up. I'll go back to that one. We hush up something inside us, right? Mm -hmm. When the speaking feels too risky. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Boy, I can think of sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's, I feel the movement of the Holy Spirit so often sometimes when it comes to my speaking, because this happens to me, I'm curious if it happens to you, whether it's speaking with my mouth or writing or what, you know, whatever the case might be. So often I feel that stirring when I want to speak, he says, mm, this is a time not to, or when I don't want to, there's this story and it's actually, this is a time to, right? Like, can, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can go either way. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. So step two in the step-by-step -step method is investigate. And we divide that up into four parts. The first part is to compare our word in other translations. Our word again is proclaim. Um, the King James said, preach the CEB announce the ERV shout, the ICB tell, the message is go public, and the NLV speak with a loud voice. So I'm just going to plug a couple of those back in. So it says, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight, what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops, or preach from the roofs, or announce, or shout, or tell from the roofs, go public from the roofs, speak with a loud voice from the roofs. And there's something about from the roofs that makes it even like scarier or louder or whatever. This isn't like, not even like run through the street and speak it or over coffee with your friend, speak it. He's like, no, no, climb to a high place where you will be noticed 
and proclaim, right? This is a bold ask, a big ask. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Part two is to research the original word, part two of the investigate step. And Susie, what'd you find there when we, when you looked into the Greek word, the original word for proclaim? The Greek word for proclaim, G2784, is keruso? Sure, close. Yes, that's good. (laughs) Um, To herald, it says, as a public crier, especially divine truth. And then it also means to proclaim or publish. I thought that publish was interesting. But um, that was more typical probably in those days, the public crier. We don't have quite as many of those uh, today, but they listen to them for divine truth. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of times where they would expect to hear it being mm-hmm. cried out in public. Mm-hmm. Um, probably looks a little different for us today, but that was uh, what it meant to proclaim or preach. I have, I have something popped into my head as I'm thinking about the public crier because you know i'm a i love to go to walt disney world i loved to go to epcot at walt disney world in orlando and epcot has a uh, a ride and attraction spaceship earth you know that when you first go in the big the big golf ball looking thing the sphere inside that there is a it is a history of communication is what the attraction is about and one of the scenes inside there with the uh, automo uh, audio oh, what are they called animatronics is that what it is that yeah okay um there's a little paper boy what i'm trying to say like probably i'm going to say maybe turn of the century something would that be the right time for the for the printing press and for papers and there's this little boy he's probably like eight or nine years old and he's got this stack of newspapers he's trying to sell them right but he's standing on the street corner and what's he saying extra extra read all about it and he's holding up this paper with this bold headline on the front there's like big news and he wants you to know about it and he wants you to come to him so that you buy his paper but so that you get the news too right and i think about this public crier stand on the rooftops like extra extra read all about it i have this newspaper i have this headline i have this really big story and i want you to know about it i don't know that's just the image that i that popped into my mind when you were saying i love that I love that newspaper boy. I know. Yeah. Extra, extra read all about it, but, but not, I'm not shy at all because I have something that's, I think it's really important for you to know. Important and true. Important and true. Excellent point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Part three of the investigate step is to look into a little bit of commentary. I have a couple of things that I found that I wanted to share from the enduring word. It says the message of Jesus was gloriously public. It was not for a few secret, no, it was not for a secret few, thank you, and was not to be hidden in any way. There isn't one message for the inner circle and another for those on the outside. The message of Jesus was gloriously public, not for a secret few, not to be hidden in any way. I think that's interesting that, um, and it goes back to what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight, like God is speaking to us. He's not speaking to a chosen few. He's not speaking to a special few. Um, He's not speaking to some that are more enlightened than others. He is speaking to every heart that is open to hearing him, right? And so this isn't a call for just those of us who are called to preach necessarily. This is a call for everyone who has an experience of God and anyone who wants to has an experience of God. 
And so it doesn't mean that all of us will be speaking in public the same way, but it is calling us to be bold in what we proclaim to know, no, to be bold in our proclamation of what we do know because God has revealed it to our hearts. Mm. Also in Bible knowledge commentary, it said for their father was truly concerned for them and aware of their circumstances right after this, he's saying like, he knows that it's going to be hard to do this, but he's asking us to do it anyway, because we'll get some pushback. Right. But verse 29, right after this is talking about how two sparrows are sold for a penny. And verse 30 is about how the hairs on your head are numbered. And verse 31 says you're far more worth far more than sparrows. So he's like, I'm calling you to this. But I'm not calling you to this and then you're going to be persecuted or face this pushback and then I'm not going to be there. Like I see what you're going to be going through if you do this, when you do this. And that matters to me. That's really beautiful. William Barclay says, no man can speak for Christ unless Christ has spoken to him. No man can proclaim the truth unless he has listened to the truth for no man can tell that which he does not know. I thought that was interesting too, because what's the very first part of the verse say what I tell you in the dark? Like, how can we have an experience that we can proclaim if we don't let him speak to us? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything in that come to mind for you that what's, what's going off in that head of yours as we're talking? I'm watching the chosen. Um, and I'm, I know some people love it and some people don't, but I, I just, if I could talk about it for a second, there's, it keeps coming to my mind, this scene where he, where Jesus sends out his disciples. And that's the last episode I've watched. And it's scary. I'm watching, Mm. I'm scared for them, you know, and then to hear, to hear you talk about that, the very next verses, which I hadn't really read, uh, connected to this before, that Jesus is so concerned with every detail about us and how much he loves us and thinks about us that uh, we don't have to be afraid to share him or share his word. I used to be so, so afraid. I'm getting braver and it's, there's just nothing better, but um, I get it when people are scared to take that next step or when they're scared to say it out loud or go public. When I get scared, I thank you for saying that. I can identify with it so much. When I get scared about proclamation, it's because I'm concerning myself with my relationship between me and them, whoever the receiver may be, right? When I'm not scared, it's because I'm making the decision to focus on the relationship between me and him. Like I proclaim for him and he takes care of me because he knows the numbers of hairs on my head. And I'm doing it for him and I hope it's well received and I hope they don't hurt me because I'm proclaiming a message. Right. But if they do, I know where to run back to. I know who is my defense. I know who is my shelter and I know for whom, I don't know if that's the right word. I've always get for whom I do this, right. It is because he loves me and because his love for me has changed so much for me that I'll take the risk and say, he can do this for you too. And I'm not brave like that every day. Don't get me wrong. But when I am, it's because that's where my focus is. I think that's so true. It's how much weight do we put into our relationship with him versus how much weight do we put on, give to the relationship with the person we're talking to? Like for a long time, it mattered to me too much. 
what the person was going to think, how they're going to receive it, what it was going to do to me. But the relationship I have with Jesus is so precious and so valuable and so important and has become so much more of that now in my life that that weight is much greater, much more important to me. And that is what I will risk for. That is, I mean, when I get afraid, that's what I'm going to remember. Yeah. Yeah. When I get afraid, that's what I'm going to remember. And the idea that sometimes we get afraid to proclaim what we know about him because we're afraid they might reject us. And I feel like Jesus lovingly says they will reject you because they reject me. If we know that going in, Mm-hmm. I think that helps us like to know there's a certain percentage of people that no matter what we do, won't like the message, but for somebody, it might change their whole life. And so will we be brave to say, I will do it because someone needs to hear this or someone has heard it 20 times, but the 21st time they heard it is the time it will sink into their heart or whatever, you know, will I be used as an instrument of his love and grace, even knowing that some people will reject the message or will reject the messenger because they reject the one that the message is about. So part four of the investigate step is to try to rewrite the verse. I'm going to read it one more time for us. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. How did you rewrite that, Susie? Just kind of sums up what we've been talking about. What I wrote was what you are learning about me is for every person be brave and share it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Share it out loud. Whatever out loud looks like. I think it can look like over coffee with a friend. You know, I said that earlier, sometimes having coffee with a friend and sharing what God is doing in our heart is proclaiming it from the rooftops. So don't get me wrong. Everybody doesn't need to be standing on your roof, yelling extra, extra real out about it. (laughs) Sometimes the friend, someone that we love very much, that's a riskier conversation than strangers, right? I mean, like, so it doesn't, it's, Yeah. But the willingness, when we feel that Holy Spirit stirring, will we step out and say, let me tell you something I know about Jesus. Let me tell you something that's true for me that I've learned about Jesus or where he's met me or he's, I've been where you are and this is what he did for me. You know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Step three is to find the character of God. And we do that using a variety of prompts and lists from the Bible, the uh, uh, fruit of the spirit in Galatians five and spiritual wisdom in James three seventeen. Those are in the study sheet in the show notes. If you want to, to see where we kind of get some of those prompts, but I wrote down that he is willing to yield so that we understand what it is. He's communicating to us. Like he speaks in a language we can understand. And I, I think about that so much about the, his personal intimate love for us means that he communicates to us in a way that we, he knows we can receive. And he might have the same message for me and you in a difficult season, but the way that he shows up, like if someone is particularly connected to God through nature, he may show up in a natural way that communicates something that our heart needs to hear. But if someone else is like more of a book kind of person, he may show up in an author's words on the page of a book. And, you know, with that, he knows how to reach us. And I see that as a willing to yield instead of just saying, I'm God, this is how I tell everyone, you know, he's like, no, no, I'm going to tell Susie how Susie needs to hear. And I'm going to tell Angie how Angie needs to hear. And I love that about him. And I also put that he's a hiding place that I know I can take cover behind him 
in him uh, when the world gets scary or when it attacks. I love that. I, um, I agree with both of those things so much. And I just, I wanted to add that I yes. wrote down faithful, um, that he will come through. He will be with us even when it seems like it's really risky or that, um, our relationship is sort of, um, hanging in the balance. We can, we can trust him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Step four is to identify the lie. And we do this in part so that we kind of state head on what the temptation is to either not do this or to be afraid. Because I think that lie is always be afraid. But what in this is like be afraid because? Because why do you think? Well, I have two of them. Um, And they kind of go together. One, I might look foolish. And two, God might not back me up. Those are my, those are the big lies that I kind of default to when the fear takes over. And what is, I'm going to ask it like a rhetorical question. What is the evidence in your life that God won't back you up? There isn't any. <laughs> I, I know it's, isn't it crazy? I, I mean, totally get that though. Cause you're like, well, if I, not you, us, right. We're like, if we stick our neck out here, or if we decide to take steps forward Maybe you'll leave me there when everything in the scriptures and everything he's ever done promises us nothing could be farther from the truth. I'm so glad that you, because when you say it out loud, we're both like, that's so ridiculous. And yet how many times does that fear keep us? (laughs) How many times does that fear keep us still over and over? Step five in the process is so what, where it's just where we sum up with a takeaway. And I wrote my so what like this, loosen your tongue about eternal things. Be willing to step out and take the risk to share the precious things God is doing in your heart. And I will say over the years, Susie, there's been a couple of times when I knew God did something in my heart that was between me and him. It doesn't mean that everything is for the public, right? But I think a lot of what God does in our life is worth sharing when we are committed to making God be the star of the show, making God be the superhero, if you will. When we are using, when we're not saying, look at me and how special I am because God did this, but look at God and how powerful he is because he took me from A to B, whatever. Yeah. What else? Any, any takeaway that you have or anything else you want to add to this? I think one of the things that I keep thinking about is this, well, there's a a guy that stands down in our, our uh, ferry area. We have a ferry and a beach and he, he proclaims the word of God in this microphone with this amplifier that I can hear a, a mile and a half away at my house. And it, it kind of irritates me. And so I keep, when I hear the word proclaim, sometimes that's the image I get is like, do we have to be obnoxious for God? No, no, that is not. I mean, for him, that's how in his heart, he feels like he needs to share. Um, But we have, God is so creative. He has so many ways that he can share himself through us and, it, and whatever that means, whether it's um, loud or quiet or private or public, all these different ways that we can share him. We just need to be 
clear. I think we just need to really be clear. And in their time, standing on the roof and yelling was the clearest way they could get the message across to a lot of people. But there's so much more now in the way of communication. But that would be weird now. It would be weird now. So let's not do that. Let's not be weird, friend. Right? <laughs> so let's, let's let God be creative in us mm. in like so many different ways that we can stand on the rooftop. So many different ways we can proclaim. Yeah. And he's not limited. Yeah. So let's be open to being clear and sharing let's, what he wants us to share. Yes. Let's find our authentic way to say extra, extra, read all about it. What does that look like for us in our personality, in our uniqueness, in our giftedness? How do we loudly proclaim in a non-weird way, extra, <laughs> extra, read all about it. I love that. It doesn't have to be weird, friend. <laughs> so that's our takeaway. Don't be weird. Uh, I'd love to hear your takeaway. If you have one, email me at steadyonpodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't yet, I would be so grateful if you would subscribe to the podcast on whatever directory you use to listen. It only takes a second and it guarantees you will receive every episode. And I encourage you to tune in this Wednesday for the Live It Out episode. My guest will be Jenny Zentz. And Jenny is going to join us to talk about how spending time with the Lord helps us battle anxiety and develop a passion for studying the word and encourages us to proclaim what the Lord is doing in our life. Her story will be a live it out on this verse, Matthew 10, 27. Thank you, Susie, for joining me again today. And thank you, friend, so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace. <laughs>